0: following message is distributed by the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org.
1: First off, I want to say thank you to everybody who's been praying for me and helping me out. Um, I always feel kind of awkward when people pray for uh, i don't know maybe Pastor Steve feels this way too, but when people pray for for me as a pastor um, i don 't know why I just do, and uh, I just want you to know I pray for you guys all the time, and we don't announce that from the pulpit very often, but uh, especially my youth leaders and the teachers and uh, you know people around i'm I'm constantly in prayer for you folks uh, I know my kids, I know you work with them, so you need all the prayer you can get. But um, I just want to thank you for those of you who've been helping me out by lifting me up in prayer as I've been preparing this sermon and uh, dealing with some just interesting stuff. It's been fun in a very sarcastic way to be in the office all by myself this past week. Uh, Occasionally Rochelle was there helping me out, giving me someone to talk to for a few minutes here and there. Um, there's just a weirdness happening. Um, I mean Heidi and Steve were gone for a funeral. Debbie was gone. Uh, friends of mine just just some crazy stuff is it me? Crazy stuff has been happening and it 's still happening today that um, just in some ways just took my attention uh, away from the sermon and just just a weird vibe so Bear with me as we go through today. We're going to be finishing up uh, the book of Colossians. And uh, I wasn't sure how to finish this. I've never worked through a whole book in a sermon series, so I'm not sure how to finish it. So read the rest of the book. We're going to focus on the last little part. Um, it's it's a book written by Paul to the church and he's basically explaining that Christ is the full deity, contains the full deity of God. And he's rebuking this heresy that is occurring in the church where people are trying to bring some extra things to the gospel that are just distorting it completely. And then the last part of the book, he, he it's Christian living, just how we as Christians should live our life, how we should interact with family members or or just other uh, acquaintances that we have. And the last little part here of chapter 4, he continues with that and then sums it up. So my hope is that as we read this passage, as we, we move through our, our, the two observations that I have here, the two, the two points, that you will see God's authorship in your life. So we're going to pray. And then we'll just jump right into Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Dear Heavenly Father, you are our Father. You are the Father of all things because in you creation was formed. In you creation is sustained. Lord, I pray that as we go through this last section of Paul's epistle, that we can be attentive to what it is you're saying to us. Lord, please be with me and give me clear speech. Lord, that I can pray the prayer that Paul prays in our passage, that I would speak the way that you ought me speak Lord, just that you will bless our time here I pray these things in your son's name amen Colossians 4 starting two. continue steadfast in prayer being watchful in it with Thanksgiving at the same time pray also for us that God may open to us A door for the word, for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Titicus will tell you. All about our activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and and fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose. That you may know how we are. And that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, honestness, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that has taken place. Aristogas, our fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him, and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in prayers, that you may stand mature fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as the Themis. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and and Nympha and also the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read to the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you read the letter from the Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received from the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So Paul closes, he's summing up his book to the church and he closes with the greetings and some instructions uh, from people who are are with him, ministering with him. Some of them are are in prison with him. But my hope is that as we progress through today, that God may open your eyes to see him as the author of salvation and Christ-like character change. I'm just gonna jump right into it. So the first the first observation that I have for you is that God is the author of salvation. And as I was preparing for this, I was reading through here trying to figure out how exactly what to say and, and things were bumping around my head and and I had a conversation with a friend of mine um, I don't know if it's called a conversation really. We were talking on the internet. But uh we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that conversation a little bit later. But but as I was preparing for this, having this conversation, it just hit me. What what is Paul asking for in verse three? He he he's saying, pray for us. He's asking for prayer, but it's it's not just regular prayer like in passing, let me shoot one up there to God for Paul. He's saying petition for us, and and the petition that he wants is is to petition that we may have doors open for God's word, so that we can declare the mystery of Christ. Paul is petitioning the body to then petition God. To move. And, and and as I was sitting and thinking about this in this conversation with my friend, I wonder, am I bold enough to petition God for the same thing? I mean, often I talk to people and say, you know, you need to pray that God opens doors or, you know, if when, when the opportunity arises and, you know, all the other pat answers that Bible, uh, pastors are supposed to give to people who are struggling to evangelize. And I wonder if I pray this prayer myself, what might happen? It's often that I pray for people who I know are saved, but am I praying that God, I'm petitioning God to open doors. And what if He not only opens them, but busts them open? I mean, it's wide open. What do I do then? I'm scared, and this is where it comes back to this conversation that I had with my friend. He tells me, hey, I've been praying that God would open doors for me to share. And the other day I was at work, and I think he did it. So I was like, well, what did you do? What happened? So he tells me this, this story, and that it seemed like the conversation was starting to steer towards spiritual things, and steer might be a bad term. He wasn't steering it. The guy knows what he does, and that he's involved, and they just got to it. And he said, as I'm talking with my coworker, I'm praying, God, should I share with this person? Or shouldn't I? What should I do here? And, I, and my reply to him was, well, what do you think you should do? And he's like, I, I think I should, but I wasn't sure if it was the right time. And I said, listen, buddy, You've been praying for God to open a door for you. Here it is open, and now you're praying again. What you should do? Like, what have you been praying? Like, how do you pray for doors to be open, and then when they're open, you're not sure whether you should walk through that door? And I think a lot of times we're, we're that we're, we're like that. We we pray for these opportunities, and when they when they when they present themselves. We don't want to walk through them. We're, we're not confident in our abilities. Well, we're afraid we're going to mess everything up. And, and, and the question is, is, why are you praying for something and not doing it when God has been faithful to that? We were talking about this a little bit in, in in my uh, Sunday school class with my high schoolers and the middle schoolers, and you can't say I want this and don't have faith in God. See, Paul is faithful in God. His faith's not in his own actions. That's why he's not saying, "Pray that I will open doors. Pray that I will know what to say. Pray that I can change lives." He's saying, "Pray for me." That God will do these things. He continues through it. In verse 5, he says, for, he's, he's telling all of us to, to walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. And uh, one of the commentaries that I was using to help prepare me, they said, A more literal translation would be to walk in wisdom, snapping up every opportunity that comes. That changes it a lot, doesn't it? Making the most out of time compared to snapping up the opportunities. Um, I think of the carpe diem. My English teacher always had this you know, carpe diem, seize the day. Snap up these opportunities when they come. And, and, and something that should be encouraging you from this passage isn't that we're not called to make the opportunities. People see through that. I mean I've had conversations with people who are like you start getting into your Christian sales pitch and then the next thing you know, blah, there's the gospel. We're not called to to distort things or to to try to manipulate things. If I set this up, if I say this, if I say that, then this is gonna happen and And that never works. I don't know. It never worked for me. Like when I say this, they never give the response that was in my textbook. And I found that if I just pray for opportunities and say, God, you're the one who's sovereign over all of these things. You're going to place that person right there. Something crazy happens because. No longer, my stress isn't over how am I going to manipulate and make this opportunity happen. My only job is to just seize the opportunity. When it shows up, my job is just to grab hold of it and seize it. And the the best part, and this is a, a, a huge encouragement for me, But when Paul's saying that he wants these doors open so that he can declare the mystery of Christ, he ends his statement in verse 4 when he says, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. I mean, he's the one speaking, but he's also praying that God will give him the words to speak. When I was willing to just say, look, God, you can use me, Put me there, I know you're going to give me the words. Put me over here talking to this person. I know you're going to, you're going to help me know what to say. Because God's over salvation. It's not, Kurt says these words, this person comes to know the Lord. I'm just a vessel used by God. That's all that I am. And I know when, when, when I've come to grasp this idea firmly, this truth, there's been times I've shared my faith. I've, I've shared the gospel with people. And going into it, I was nervous. I didn't know what I was going to say. And I left and I didn't know what I said. Have you ever had that happen? And the person comes up to me and they're like later on or whatever. And they said, you know, I was thinking about what you said. And I was like, tell me what I said because I don't remember what I said. And it sounds pretty good. But it's not me. Because I'm not saving anybody. Everything that I repeat is found here. It's nothing new. God's the one who's authoring salvation. God's the one who's doing it. You you can't save yourself even if you want to. You can't save others even if you work really hard. It's not in your hands. Paul understood this. This is why he's exhorting the church to intercede in prayer. This is why he models it. Pretty much read any letter written by Paul, but they didn't even have to go to another letter or something. They could just scroll back on the scroll and then have pages. And and it was there. He's modeling intercessory prayer. He's praying for them. He said, hey, we've been praying that you will walk worthy before the Lord, that you will continue to grow in these things. He's saying that you can't do it. You already realize that salvation isn't from you. Why do you now think that you can then go and save other people? The the, the the thing that is also a challenge to me as I read this passage. Here's Paul, who is not only himself, but going to the church and saying, I, "I'm petitioning you to please, please petition God to open doors so that I can share the truth." I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't pray that. I I I, I don't I don't have a heart at times, for the lost world. We, we, we went to this youth conference, and uh, there was a pastor, um, his name Francis Chan, who was speaking at one of the sessions. And he was saying that, it's been a long time since I cried for the lost world. He so I used to do it all the time. And now I'm just too busy with church stuff, and this, and family, and that. And, and it's been a long time. And that just struck me like right in the heart because when I was younger, when, when I was in high school, I went to a public school. And um, do you guys know what CU at the pole is? All right. There was three of us there. I right, had the school of 560 some odd kids. There was three of us there. And then I walk in and everybody's like, what were you doing out there? All right. I wanted to reach out to these people. I prayed with my friends. I, you know, I actually had a "What Would Jesus Do?" bracelet, and my friend Kathy, who had a locker next to me, would ask me about that. And I sat there and and talked with her. And we and and you know what's interesting is this is in New York. Kathy was a Mormon, so that was my first taste of Mormonism. And I'm there talking with her and she's talking with me and any opportunity I had it, and I don't know what happened, because about five years later that stopped. I, I I just wanna be able to cry out to God, use me. Use me. Use me to share this message. Use me to, 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 oh, be, I don't even know the word to use there. Just to be so willing, so open, to just be there for you. But I've become selfish, and, and maybe you have, and, and, and we don't care about the world, or, or we've been so just frustrated that, well, look, I've shared the gospel with these people, and nothing happened, and, you know, God must not really want them to be saved, or, or God's not really caring, or I'm just messing things up more and more, or I'm not, look at me. I, I'm not perfect. Why should I go? Why, why would God use me? I'm a mess. We focus so much on ourselves, myself, my comfort. Even if we're Christians, we, we get more focused in our own sanctification that we, we're trying to perfect ourselves, that we forget about everybody else that's around us. Our desires, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. It's just easier not to think about the people who are lost. It's just easier. If I don't have to think about them, I don't have to feel guilty. I don't have to pray that God opens opportunities because then I'm scared what opportunities he might open up to me. I hope you're feeling challenged because as I was preparing for this, I felt really challenged. I want to go out there now like, let's go. Be challenged in a couple things here. I mean, first be challenged to see that salvation is not... From your words. Salvation comes only from God. He's the one that opens hearts to him. You just have the privilege of seeing it happen. Or speaking the words. Be challenged to petition God for a heart change that yearns for the lost. Petition God to open doors. That He will change hearts. That He will draw people to Him. Be challenged to see that all of us sitting here, this building that we sit in, the programs that we do, that's not what draws people to God. The best thing that we as a church have to draw people to God is God. We, we forget that. We get so caught up with everything else. The greatest thing that I have to author is the very one who's authoring salvation. Too often we're scared and afraid Of who we are as a person and the mistakes we're going to make. But the best part is that's exactly what God wants to point out through Paul in this epistle. He's saying, you can't do it. You can't open the door. You can't save someone from death. You can't bring redemption. There's no forgiveness found in Kirk Elman. You should be saying amen to that. Okay? There's no forgiveness found in me. It's God. He's saying, you can't do it, but I, the Father, will do it. I will open doors for my words, for my truth to go out. I will give you the words to speak. Trust me. That's what intercessory prayer is. That's what petitioning prayer is. It's a sign of our faith In God. Why would I petition somebody who can't do something? I'm not going to petition my three-year-old son to help me rip apart our deck, which we did the other day. He can't do it. So why would I say, come on, Zion, you can do it this time. He has problems even holding a hammer and bringing it over to me, let alone trying to pull out some of the nails and stuff that we had to do. But until you see that God's the author of salvation, you're going to keep trying to save people yourself or yourself. But when you see that God's the author, God's the one who saves, then you can go to him and say, you're God. I'm not. You will call your people to you. I'm just the megaphone you yelling through. We, we, we often forget that God's God and we think that his capabilities are so limited and that ours are so great. All you need is a, a failure or, or, or you know, someone who just looks at you weird and then all of a sudden you realize, wow, what, what was I thinking? fully grasping that God is the author of salvation should be a relief to you while at the same time should encourage you to go out and proclaim the good news. He's the one over all things. He's God. I should be able to trust Him. Even if I stumble and fall over every word I say, Am I going to limit God and say he can't use that? The Lord's authorship doesn't just end with salvation. He continues to work within us until we're made perfect and glorified in heaven. All of us who are brothers and sisters of Christ are are experiencing this changing process right now. God not only author salvation. My second observation: God is the author of Christ-like character change. Here's the fun one because you, you're like, wait, character change? Our passage. Just bear with me here. I want to read again verses five and six. Paul writes to the, to the church. He says, "Walk in wisdom towards outsiders." Making the best use of the time, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Godly wisdom is a topic repeated often in this book. I mean, Colossians eleven nine tells us to be filled with the Spirit of wisdom. One twenty eight tells us that Christ is wisdom. Colossians 2.3, Christ contains all wisdom. 3.16, the words of Christ have all wisdom. Are we seeing a pattern here? About who's, who's being associated with wisdom. Why? Why is walking in wisdom so important to Paul and hopefully to us? Why is it important? Colossians 1:10 says um over here <clears throat> so we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God you can't have that kind of walk that's worthy and increasing in the knowledge of God is bearing fruit without wisdom Paul echoes this, his his own request about speaking clearly he he echoes it in verse 6 of of, of chapter 4 he says let your speech be gracious and season with salt, that you may know how you're supposed to speak. Except now the focus isn't on him, he's asking that of the church, to the listeners. And right now you're listening, so hopefully you're seeing that his desire, Paul's desire, is that even our speech will come under the conformity of Christ. we're supposed to live in a way that God's name is never dishonored and that no occasion of stumbling should be given that would prevent men and women from being saved. Now, if that doesn't freeze you in your tracks, I'm not really sure what will. I mean, there there's tons of passages that, that just challenge me because it's saying... What I show has an effect on people. And, and verses five and six are so important to this because it's not just what you show. It's what you say. Now, we all know that the saying sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never harm me. Well, sticks and stones may break your bones, but a cutting or nonchalant word of a Christian can be Devastating. It's not only the, the content. I mean, you could say nice things, but the manner you say them in speaks volumes to your character. This is a verse, uh, passage that a, lot, a lot of us know. First Peter, um, chapter three, verse fifteen. He says, "But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone." who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. Here's the key part that I want to look at here. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. I'm not saying don't speak boldly about your faith here. I mean, Christ is a, is a great example of this. He he didn't just talk about sunshine and rainbows and happy thoughts and unicorns or whatever you want to think of when you think of happy places. He didn't cower away from difficult situations that might make people uncomfortable. But being bold doesn't mean we throw away tact. I mean, I've been around people who their character even though they're spewing out godly words in Scripture, is nothing like Christ. If we're, if we're to speak like Christ, we, miss, we must be transformed to be like Christ. I'll give you an easy example for me. Jazz fans here. We got some. All right. I hate basketball. I hate it. I've made promises to myself a couple times that I would never say those things. I, you know, I have some friends that are big basketball players and 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 everything, and I always want to talk nice about it. And I'm gonna be quiet, but. And they're saying about, you know, this and, you know, or like, you know, the game came down to the last minute. Every basketball game comes down to the last minute, it seems. You know, like, but I I wasn't going to say anything, but eventually it spills out because you see what? Just because I'm quiet doesn't mean I all of a sudden don't have a problem with basketball. There's been no character change. So eventually when I speak, it's going to come out with the truth. For me, basketball is not a good sport. Wrestling is. And my, my, this, is, this is my final statement on that. God is a wrestler. It's in the Bible. Look it up. Um. But the same is true with other things outside of the the basketball wrestling conflict, whatever that is. The same is true outside of that because unless my character has changed to be like Christ, I might talk all like I'm a Christian right here, standing here. But as soon as I go home, what's my speech like? Or when I hang out with friends in this situation or this setting. Without character change. Your speech will never be seasoned with salt. It won't be gracious. Because the character that's most important to me is me. It's not Christ. I I, I might want to be like Christ when it's easy when it's comfortable i even justify at times when i speak up with boldness or cutting words or or just rebuking someone because they're putting down my savior like god needs my defense and i say it's fine it's in the bible it's fine Jesus said this. Did He say it that way? Are you saying it out of love? Or are you saying it out of, I'm right and you're wrong? When true Christ-like character change occurs, you'll be amazed at how foolish some of your conversations have been. You'll be amazed at how foolish some of your time has been spent. I pray for character change so that eventually, I don't care whether you like basketball or not. God gave some guy the intellect to put a ball in a hoop. Awesome. I'll glorify him in that. We need to be careful about thinking that just because we're using godly words, we have a Christ-like character change. Step back for a minute, just just a bigger look than just these, these couple of verses. The Bible over and over again calls us to be imitators of him. And, and, and we can't do it by ourselves we suck at it. We, we are terrible at it because my favorite method for trying to be Christ-like is doing it myself. Right? I want to be like Jesus by myself. And and, and we're just terrible at it. And, and maybe you've been trying to do it on your own. And, and you've been, you know, you're worn out. Because you've worked so hard and you continue to fail and and, and maybe you're wondering, is it, is it even worth it? Because I feel so bad trying to do it and I'm not accomplishing it. Or 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 maybe you, you go to God and you're just like, why does this keep happening? Why? why? I tried it a different way. Why? 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 Why why can't I just stop doing it? I, I want you to understand that I know what that's like. I still struggle with trying to do things myself. I want to stop doing this. I'm just going to, I got to try harder. And it doesn't work. So, if you would like, because there's plenty of room, you can join me. I'm going to go find rest at the cross. And I'm, I'm going to go find my strength in Christ. And I'm going to find rest because it's not Christ saying, you go do it yourself and I'll grade you when you're done. He's saying, I'm here for you. I'm going to do it with you. Not only, guess what? I've done it before. I've been there. I've seen it. From Colossians, he even says, hey, take off your old self and put on me. God is the author of Christ-like character change. You go to Christ... He will grant you grace to be changed. If you're tired and worn out from trying to do it yourself, why do you continue to try to do it yourself the next time? I I don't get it. But I I understand it because I did it. I'm doing it. I don't only want to pray that my pastor speaks with kind words and, and, and is willing to seize the opportunities when they arise. I want character change so that I pray for myself that I would be bold enough, that God would give me that boldness to step through those doors, to speak graciously, which is a struggle for me. To be seasoning things with salt. That it's not just a fake thing of words pouring out of my mouth, but it actually comes from a true heart change. Our speech will never truly be altered apart from character change. It's only changed because we're renewed by Christ, by His grace. That it's not me who lives anymore, but that I live through Christ. Paul closes out the letter with with a bunch of names that I probably butchered as I was reading them, and you know all different people saying hi and. Checking in on you and this person might come and and um, he, he finishes. This isn't, it's a point, but I don't have it as a third thing. I, I just wanted to point this out. He finishes at the end of, of his book with uh, verse 16 of chapter 4. He says, and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read to the church of Laodicean. And see that you also read the letters from Laodicea. We, we don't have that letter from Laodicea. Um, I wish we did. But this is how God put together his scripture. But I think a key thing here is, what's said in this is to be said to everybody here, And then we're supposed to take it and then say it to everybody in this other body of believers. The words are so important and life-changing. And, and again, I, I think of this, this prayer, this petition that Paul is asking for, that I might know what to say. It's so easy at times because he's saying, here it is, go say it to these people, go say it to this person. We need to make sure that our faith isn't just about me. It's so much bigger than that. So this is this is how Paul ends his, his book to the church at Colossus. Um, and I, I'm going to end here. And uh, we're going to lead to communion. And I just wanted to clarify something before I, I give you my, my closing statements. When I say take comfort and rest, I am not meaning to sit back and be complacent. My statements by no means Drop you off the hook. That's what that said. Take comfort and rest in the fact that God is the author of salvation. He opens doors. He opens hearts to the mystery of Christ. He's the one who brings true salvation for sin to whoever it is that He chooses. No matter what they have done. He brings salvation, not us. Take comfort and find rest in knowing God is the author of Christ-like character change. Those of us who are the bride are given an amazing gift from the groom. The Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to do its miraculous things in your life. Let 's pray, Lord God, i just I thank you that you're God, and I 'm not, and I thank you that in your in your unexplainable mind, you chose to grant salvation to us we are undeserving but I thank you that you don't just stop with salvation you continue to give and give and give you give us your Son. You give us the Spirit. And through those things, we are sanctified. Through those things, Lord, you break off pieces of me and you replace them with your Son. Lord, help me to move past just the surface level of just trying to sound like a Christian and, and just saying the right words at the same time. But Lord, I pray that that I can, I can go past that. And that I can come to you and say, I don't want a facade that looks Christ-like. I want a structure that is built on Christ. But as we move to communion here, help us to focus on these things. You didn't send your son to die just so that we can be forgiven. That's so limiting, his death. So much more was accomplished, started. On that cross Lord I pray that we don't diminish this Lord if if we don't know you or if we are struggling to be like you help us to look past ourselves and cling to you as our hope as our strength as our comforter as the one where true change happens. Lord, I pray these things in Your Son Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this message recorded at the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission.